All right, Salt Company. Guys, the interesting thing is we actually say the same thing about Minneapolis students in, in Madison. Do they, is there anybody that knows Jesus there, you know? Yeah, you guys don't really like us that well, do you? No? You go for fans? I, when, as I was driving in and parked in the parking lot, there was a guy like standing in front of the parking spot that I was going that said, a shirt that said, better dead than red. I was like, I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm assuming that's, that's UW. So, but anyway, regardless of that, guys, uh, I'm excited to be here. Jordan, I need to give you a hug after that introduction, so I'm not much of a hugger, but we'll do it later. Um, but guys, yeah, super, super excited about this. And, and even as Jordan said, like, if you get fired up after this message, come to fall retreat. Because I'm not that great. So even if you don't get fired up, you should still come to fall retreat. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. But as he mentioned, I'm, I'm one of the pastors of our, our church network in, in Madison, Doxa Church. We, we launched about a year ago. We started a salt company at, at UW, and uh, it's, been, it's been an awesome road. I'm gonna share more about my story once we, we get to the retreat and, and kind of like tell you a little bit about my life and my journey with God, but, but I'll tell you this, okay? So this theme for the, the fall retreat is, is this idea of unexpected, one word, unexpected. And honestly, this is kind of birthed out of my, my story. I, somehow I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and really didn't know people who were Christians. I didn't know people who, who went to church and just grew up far from God, and my life was a mess. I was just marked with like addictions and immorality and just all types of trouble growing up, and, and God kind of just broke in, power washed my soul, and just changed me to a place that I'm like now on this stage. Not the man that I need to be, but by God's grace, not the man that, that I once was. And, and honestly, I remember like the first time that, that I heard the gospel, right? This, this word, this thing that you guys talk about all the time at, at Salt Company, I heard the gospel, guys, and it was one of the most unexpected messages I have ever heard in my life. Guys, that we have this like unexpected God with this unexpected message to an unexpected group of people for an unexpected future. And throughout the retreat, guys, this is what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be talking about this unexpected God who wants to do something profound in, in every single one of our lives. And the things that we're kind of gonna look into starting tonight are, are things that have really just impacted my life. Like they've been like those, you know those moments in your life that are kind of like pillars that you look back at and you're like, everything changed in that moment. You guys have been there for the good or bad, right? These things that we're gonna be talking about are those moments, those like pillar type moments for me. And so here's how we're gonna kick this off, okay? I wanna, I wanna share with you and just have you listen to a couple different statements, a few random statements, okay? Just, just listen to these, okay? Number one, if you're a good boy, mommy and daddy will love you, and so be good or they won't. Number two, you're ugly, and no one is ever gonna love you or wanna marry you. Number three, people would like you more if you were more like Mike. And number four, you really won't ever be accepted here. Guys, these are, these are statements that have been spoken to me over the years. And I can honestly take you back and like, I remember like almost like what I was wearing, like where I was standing when these things were, were said to me. If you're a good boy, mommy and daddy will love you, but if not, they won't. I remember being in like a, a daycare being watched by these older people while my parents were at work. And, and I remember a lady telling me this and as a young kid in like elementary school being like, holy crap, like if I, if I mess up, like they're not gonna love me, right? You're ugly and no one's ever gonna wanna love you or, or marry you. I remember Orchard Hollow Elementary School standing on the sidewalk at recess right in front of the fire hydrant. I was looking at Tracy Fumick, the most beautiful fourth grader in the world, <laughs> right? 
And I was like, Tracy, I think you should be my girlfriend. Bam. <laughs> You're ugly. <laughs> like, dang. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. People would like you more if you were more like Mike. Shore Junior High, sitting in the cafeteria, not having really any friends, getting out of my comfort zone and out of my bubble and saying, okay, I'm gonna try and make some friends and go and sit down with a group of people and these guys just look at me and just like, get out. You really won't ever be accepted here. Because the, the first time I went to a church with a friend who invited me, I walked in as like a college student, tattoos and earrings, smelling like smoke, and somebody told me that. And here's the thing with all this, guys. All of these things have, have impacted my view of life. They've impacted my, my view of love. They've impacted even my view of God. And every single one of you here tonight, you have personal examples of things that have been said to you or things that you have gone through that have shaped your understanding of love. And I want you to hear this in particular, your love, the, the idea that you have of the love of God. And here's why this is so significant, okay? A.W. Tozer, if you've heard of him, he's a theologian, he was a pastor. He once said famously this, and it's, it's right on. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When we think about God, the thing that we think about, guys, this is the most important thing about us because it, it shapes everything. And so like, what do you think about? When you think about God, what are the things that, that come to your mind? Some of you, you think like a distant being. Others of you, you think of like, okay, there's this, like, there's this God that he kind of hates me, but he understands me when I sin and Jesus loves me and I know the, name, the words of that song and that makes me feel, right? What do you think about when you think about God? And my view of, of love was, was shaped so much by all those statements that I heard. It, it shaped my, my view of God and for much of my life, guys, I, I thought really I was truly not lovable because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough for people. I wasn't good enough for my parents and I certainly wasn't good enough for God. And I'll even say this, guys, life is just like a, a series of, of events and, and interactions that cause us to continually ask questions about love. Some of you in this room, I know without a doubt, you're asking these questions of yourself. You're, you're desperately trying to get the answer. Am I lovable? Like, could anybody love me? Does, does God even really love me? And I want you to hear this, guys. We, we hear things in the Bible, right? We hear things in like 1 John 4, 8, that, that God is love, right? We hear this famous statement, and this can be like really confusing and, and bothering for some of us because, because we know like, like, okay, God is love, but many of us, we, we just have like this poor, malnourished understanding of what the love of God actually is and how this impacts my life. But guys, the good news is this. God is an unexpected father who has an unexpected kind of love. And he's so good that he not only just showed us through Jesus' words and his works and his ways, but he continues to speak to us today through the Bible. And when we put ourselves in a posture of actually being willing to listen to him, his voice begins to get louder and louder and louder in our lives. And we start to hear and encounter this unexpected love in a really tangible way. But we have to listen. This is why we emphasize the Bible so much at Salt Company, because it's God's word to us. And he breaks through all the clutter to give us what is actually true. And so we're gonna hear from God tonight in a story from Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 15. If you've been around the church, you've, you've probably heard this. If you grew up as a Christian, it's the, it's the story oftentimes called the story of the prodigal son. 
Jordan just told me this morning that this was like kind of the kickoff theme. We're gonna get into this tonight. And through our time, guys, God is gonna cut through all the lies that we can believe about love. And he's gonna show us the love that he actually has for us, this unexpected love from an unexpected father. And I really believe that this is gonna be so helpful for every single one of us, okay? But before we read this story, okay, I gotta give you a few quick things to help us fully understand what's going on. If you're a note taker, you can write this stuff down, okay? Number one, when we consider this story, the, the story of the prodigal son, we have to understand what the word prodigal means. All right, so prodigal is literally just defined as recklessly spending. All right, so prodigal is recklessly spending. It means to like literally spend until you have nothing left. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, is, you know, as we go through this story, we're gonna, we're gonna encounter three people, three main people. We're gonna encounter a young son, a father, and an older son. And we need to understand as, as we look at this, guys, and, and if you miss this, you're gonna miss the whole point of, of this story that Jesus is gonna tell. All right, that the father in this story actually represents God, while the two sons are, both represent each and every one of us. And there's a ton for us to learn about this relentless love that God has for us. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 is where we're gonna start. Jesus told them this story. And I'll stop there, okay? But I'm not gonna keep doing that every four words, okay? But we're gonna stop. But one of the reasons Jesus is, is telling this story is because he's showing the truth of the love of God. That even in these days, people were, were struggling with this idea of, of God actually loving. Because for them, like when they thought about God, they were thinking, okay, God is like very distant. He lives in the temple in Jerusalem, really, really far away from me. I can't get to him. He doesn't really care. And Jesus tells them this story to help them understand the love of God. But so he tells them the story. A man had two sons. Now remember, these sons represent us. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father, who remember is a picture of God, agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And so here's what we're seeing, guys. The, the younger son just went to his dad and basically just said, hey, give me my inheritance. Inheritance was what you would get when your, when your father would die. It was kind of like a, a will. And obviously this is kind of like a, a huge slap in the face to the dad because the son is basically going to his dad and saying, hey, you know what? I wish you were dead, but you're looking kind of healthy. And so you're probably not going to die for a while. So why don't we just like expedite this process and just give me the money that I would get when you die? I mean, so like the father is like, you guys aren't fathers, most of you probably. But you know, if your kids said this, right? I mean, imagine your best friend just kind of coming up and just saying, I wish you were dead. I mean, it would, it would sting a little bit, right? But this is what the son said to the dad. But the story goes on and says that the father divided his property between the two kids and he just let the son go. And I think it's crazy, guys, that, that the father just went along with this ridiculous demand with really seemingly no hesitation. It must have killed him inside to know that his son hated him and wanted him dead and wanted to leave home possibly forever, never talking to him again. It must have like literally just broke the father's heart. But in spite of all this, he, he grants the request and he gives his son what he wanted. But guys, here's what we have to do. We have to stop. Because when we, when we read the Bible, like you have to ask questions. Like why? Why is this happening? Like why would the father do this? We, we ask questions, always ask questions. Guys, when you're reading the Bible, when you're here at Salt, when you're hearing teachings, when you're at Connection Group, people say something. Ask questions to figure out the meaning. So why does the father do this? Because I really believe that, that he knew that he could force his son to, to stay at home and not give him the money that he wanted 
but he could never force his son to love him. See, he understood like love can't be forced. It's gotta be like freely given. And so the father gave his son what he wanted and he just literally watched him go. So remember, this is ultimately a story about God in us. And there's an important thing for us to learn about God here. See, guys, why God loves you and desires you and he's made a way for you to be with him through Jesus, while he's done everything to show you that. He's literally done everything in the world to show you how much he loves you. To have a relationship with him, guys, you have some sort of choice in the matter. That he cares about you, he, he desires you, he wants a relationship with you, he loves you, he pursues you, he's pursuing you to such an extent that you're here. You're not here by coincidence, but you have to have some sort of response to this. And, and here's why this is significant, okay? When you don't understand this, some of you can be really frustrated by this. Some of you guys, you, you come to Salt, maybe you even go to Salt City Church, you hear and you learn about God's love, but it hasn't really changed you. And maybe you, you look around the room and, and you see Isaac up here singing about joy and you're like, what is that? Like, I don't have that type of joy. You see people in here and you're like, why can't I have what that person have? Like, why do I continually struggle with sin? Why can't I fight temptation and be a godly person? You look at other people and you say, they seem to be so close to God and they have great faith and they have great joy. But I'm like, I don't have that. Because if that's you, like the question that I always ask is have you responded to the love of God that you're constantly hearing about? Some of you are like, you're examining the love of God, but you've yet to experience the love of God. See, like an atheist, like someone who hates God can examine the Bible and examine the love of God, but only a Christian through faith can experience the love of God. There's a big difference, guys. It's not enough to just learn about God's love. You need to respond to it and accept it and give your life and put your faith and trust him. He's not gonna force you into that. But even more, guys, when we look at the son here, guys, some of us are, are like him. Like we're, we're believing the lie that we don't need the father's love. It's in fact one of the greatest lies that we believe about God's love. But maybe some of you are, are sitting here tonight and you're even hearing me talk and you're like, not only do I not like him because he's from Wisconsin, but this is garbage. Like you, you got brought here by somebody and you kind of reluctantly kind of came in here and you're, you're hearing this and you're like, okay, like I know that you believe this is true. Like I don't, this is garbage. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. This is one of the biggest lies in the world, but I don't need the Father's love. But I want you to know this, guys, regardless if you feel you need God's love and grace. Because there's gonna come a day where that's gonna be the only thing left. The only thing left will be the love of God. And I know this is kind of heavy, but we just need to know this, that we need to debunk this lie. Because when we die, guys, we're, we're gonna be empty-handed before God, and the only thing that will save us and allow us to be with him forever is the acceptance of his love. Guys, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Every page of every chapter of every book of your Bible is about Jesus to show you the radical love of God. And so when we believe this lie we, that we don't need God's love, we're in a very dangerous place and our eternity is like in limbo and it's looking dark. Well, let's keep going. Look at verse 13. The kid got the money. A few days later, his, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Verse 14, about that 
about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And so the son gets the money and he just sets off for a distant country that he wanted to get as far away from he could as his father. He wanted nothing to do with him. So he gets his inheritance and he just takes off for a place that he could do whatever he wanted. Right? I mean, honestly, it's not, you don't have to read too much into the time. I mean, this is kind of like some of your view of college, right? <laughs> or like spring break trips, right? You just go and you just do whatever you want. He wanted to be free. And when he gets there, right, he, he finds the bars with the, the cutest girls. And, and for a while, right, he's, he's doing great. Life is one big party. He's getting crazy. He's doing questionable stuff. He's having fun. He's giving it the old college try. Like he's that guy that runs through the dorm halls like half naked and still yells out YOLO, right? You think that's cool? Some of you would still do that. Don't do it, right? But he's doing this, having this time, but then reality hits. And he quickly realizes like, man, I, I just spent all this money. I don't have anything left, not even enough for food. And there's nowhere for him to turn. And so he thinks like, man, I, I can't go back to my dad because I basically told him I'm never gonna wanna see him again. I, I wish he was dead. And so, okay, I'll, I'll just find a job. And the only job he can find is basically a crappy one working on a pig farm. You gotta understand like he's a Jew. Pigs are seen as unclean. So this story shows us like, this is like the worst situation for this guy. He's in a bad place. He's working with these unclean animals. He's seen as unclean. He's making hardly any money. He still has nothing to eat. And he's sitting there in this slop. He's looking at the pig food and saying, okay, well, maybe, maybe I could eat some of that. And guys, as you're picturing this, this is supposed to elicit something in us. Right? You know those commercials with like uh, that, like with like starving dogs, and like you got that song in the background. In the arms of the, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like we we feel that. I I promise you, there's I don't know why I said that, right? No, but you you watch that, and it something like stirs in you, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't even like cats, but I'll give money, right? <laughs> when we read this, guys, something should be stirring in us. It's this pathetic disgusting picture. I imagine this kid like just kind of sitting there thinking like I, I didn't see this coming. Like this played out in my head like way differently. Maybe you, you've been there, right? You, you do things and then all of a sudden like reality hits and you're like, wow, this didn't play out the way I thought it would be. This is what I see so many times, guys. In my years in ministry, I see this happen to so many people who believe lies about God's love. That you believe the lie that the only way to have fun and to have a free life is to run away from God as far as you can. And so you do. And just like this son, like you run far from God, you stop going to salt company, you start, stop going to church, you stop associating with like your Christian friends, you kind of just fall off the grid and disappear and you just do your own thing. And at first it's fun, right? I mean, I'd be a liar if I stood up here and said, sin is, is fun sometimes, right? And it's fun at times. But quickly, like, you look at your life and you think, like, what have, what have I become? Like, what am I doing with my life? And, and you reach a similar point to, to this son. Maybe some of you have been there. I mean, this is, this is my story. Like, I, I remember, like, after, like, NFL aspirations fell through because of, like, injuries and I was just down and out and I had all these aspirations to, like, 
be in the NFL and leverage my life to help underprivileged kids and like be an influence and all this stuff. And when that came, like I just didn't know what to do and I threw myself into anything I could to just fill the gap of, of that in my life. And, and that was drugs and drinking and it led to selling drugs to support my problem. And I, and I remember the night where this moment happened for me. Right, I was, my mom and my little sister were upstairs in my mom's condo and my mom had a kitchen table with a, a mirror right behind it. And I remember I was sitting there in the middle of the night by myself, just snorting lines of cocaine off of her kitchen table. And I remember I, I snorted a line and looked up and I saw myself in the mirror. And I had one of those moments. Like, really? Like, is this what your life is about? This is what's happening to this kid. Look at verse 17. When he finally came to his senses... He, he, he just saw himself in the mirror, right? He's starting to see that he has believed lies about his father's love. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. This is really important. We'll come back to that in just a minute. You can circle ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He is lost, but now he's fine. And so the party began. Guys, the son is so desperate that he decides to do the unthinkable, all right? He decides to go back to his father and basically just beg for forgiveness. And so he starts to walk home. And as he gets within seeing distance of the house, like you can picture like the dad on a rocking chair kind of seeing his son off in the distance. The dad gets up and immediately starts running. Now you gotta understand, Jewish men in these times would never run. It was, it was considered like disrespect, like you weren't worthy of respect if you ran. So the son has never seen his dad run before. And so you can imagine what this kid's thinking of. He's like, oh my gosh, like, what is, like, is my dad like that mad that he's coming? Like, he's looking at his hand to see if he's got a knife to like shank him as soon as he gets there, right? And it's just like, what is going on? And so his dad gets to him. The son tries to say sorry and beg for forgiveness, but the dad just grabs him and just, just like, shh. He throws a robe on him, which is symbolic of being reinstated into the family. He throws a huge party and he celebrates. And I imagine during this whole party, this kid is just sitting there like feeling so awkward, being like, what is going on? This is weird. Why is my dad treating me like this? And I bet yet again, this kid is believing another lie about the love of God, the love of his father. And it's this, it's the, the lie that he has screwed up too much for his father to still love him. Some of you feel that? Maybe you've heard that there's some things that God can't forgive. Because I want you to know that that's a lie. There's nothing that God can't forgive besides refusing his love, forgiveness, and grace. And this is a beautiful picture of forgiveness and God's relentless love for us. This is a beautiful picture of repentance and forgiveness. This is what you and I do before God. And when we find ourselves distant from God, we, we need to repent. We need to acknowledge our sin and turn from our sin and turn to God. And the good news is that when we do this, guys, when we turn to God in heartfelt repentance, he's absolutely certain to receive us just like this father. 
The apostle John says it this way in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Likewise, Jesus promises in John 6, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, remember that I told you that, that prodigal, what does prodigal mean, you remember? Come on, don't fall into the stereotypes of Minneapolis students. Oh, I know, sorry. Prodigal, recklessly spending, right? We clearly see this young son was prodigal. He wasted all of his money. But this word now actually describes the father, not the son. See, guys, write this down. God is a prodigal God, that he's reckless and relentless with his love for us. See, the love that he has for us, it seems reckless and crazy. It doesn't seem to make sense but this is who God is. It's this completely unexpected type of love that just like the father in this story, God says, don't try too much. Don't try and clean up yourself. Just come home. Come to me and I will show you this great love and this forgiveness. Now, we have to ask another question like, okay, forgive me of what? Look back to verse 17. The son says, father, I have sinned. Circle that in your Bible. Against heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Guys, sin is, you know, we, I don't know if you guys, do you guys have like the protesters or the sign holders around town that have fire signs and whatever they do, you're going to hell, you know, you know? So we all have these thoughts of like what sin is. Guys, sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And the very nature of sin is that sin separates. It separates us from each other and it separates us from God. And we all have an issue with sin. Every single person, no one is sinless. Right? If you Google sinless, you're not gonna find any people right? You're going to find a dessert recipe in like a strip club down in Texas, okay? That's not, that's all you're going to find. Every single person, guys, we, we have a sin issue. God's love doesn't seem to make sense because he forgives that. And when I think about this personally, guys, I think about Romans 5, 8, where the apostle Paul says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Guys, this means that when I was completely running hard away from God, just doing wicked, evil things. God was there looking at me and saying, I love you. I love you. You're worth it. And he proved it by entering into human history as the man Jesus to die in my place for my sin. That if I just believe in him and go to him, like this son, he'll forgive me of everything. This love doesn't make sense. It's completely unexpected, but it's the reality of God that we see in this story. So here's what I want you to do. Guys, I want you to close your eyes. All right, seriously, close your eyes. Some of you guys, if you got invited by a girl, keep your hands to yourself. Close your eyes. I want you to do this. Guys, I, I want you to think about like the worst, most disgraceful thing you have ever done. Like, maybe it's like that thing that no one knows. I want you to, like, feel how that feels. I want you to, like, go back into that, that moment. Because I want you to know that in the midst of that sin, in the midst of that wickedness, in the midst of all those feelings, God looks at you and says you're worth it and I love you. Romans 5, 8, while you were in that sin, 
Jesus died for you. This is the reckless, relentless love of God. Open your eyes, guys. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's crazy. It's the best news of all. But Jesus, he does it. And some of you, you guys have a story like this younger son, right? You're absolutely crazy, right? Sin is running your life and ruining your life. But maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you're a fairly good kid. Like you grew up in the church. You've never drank. You've never smoked. You've never cussed. Like your first word was Jesus. Like you, <laughs> you, you never looked at porn. Like you're just a good, good person, right? Well, this story kind of talks about you too. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. I want you to circle this next part in your Bible. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've, I've slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one goat, one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when his son, the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now he is found. As the reality is, the older son was just as bad as the younger one. The only difference was the older son played by the rules. See, neither one of the sons really loved the father. And we see this clearly with the younger son as he ran off and he was crazy, but the older one was doing everything his father said only to get his stuff. He really didn't want a relationship with his father at all. The older son is comparable to the person who you go to church, you go to salt company every, every week and, and maybe you go to Bible study, you know, and connection groups and all this stuff and you just do it just to make people or society or your parents like happy. He doesn't really care about anything. He doesn't have a relationship with God. He's just pretending. But we see in verse 28, just like the father, guys, look at this. This is awesome. I love this. Verse 28, just like the father ran to the young son to forgive him and love him, Look what he does. Verse 28, his father came out and begged him. He begged him to come into the party. And again, we see God's love for us. And so guys, here's what I'll, I'll do to, to end, okay? I want you to consider where you, where you stand when it comes to God's love. Like, does your understanding of God's love match up with what we saw in this story? I mean, have you responded to God's love? Are you, are you believing lies or, or are you believing Jesus? Because Jesus has just told us about the love that he has for us. And guys, when we believe these lies about God's love, it messes everything up for us. That ultimately when we believe lies about this love, we keep ourselves from God. But God wants you to experience this great love. Even right now as we're gathered, he wants you to experience this. This is what Jesus is all about. And so here's the question I'd like to leave you with. Write this down. You talk about it at your connection group. Talk about it at the fall retreat, guys. Which brother are you? Like, like which brother are you? And don't say neither. Because the truth is, is that we all exhibit characteristics of both the younger and the older brother at times. But which one are you most like? The prodigal, where you're just going your own way, you're forgetting about the father, keeping him at a distance. You're seeking maybe his benefits, but you don't want a relationship 
If this is you guys, I just urge you to do what this kid did. Just repent. Even tonight, just confess your sin to Jesus, knowing that he'll meet you there. Like you don't have to run from the Father. Turn to God and he will come running and taking you in. Or are you the older brother? Kind of outwardly obedient. You're serving, but you're inwardly like resenting God and his demands on your life. You're kind of just bitter. And you're like, you're playing games. You have the facade on, like you're, you're pretending. Maybe you're just like super religious and you actually do love Jesus, but you look down on people with contempt that aren't as good as you. Maybe you get mad, right, when, when you see people like get forgiven of other things that are so bad and like you're like, I, well, I didn't have a party thrown for me. Like, which brother are you? If you're that older brother, the same is true for you guys. Confess that. Bring it to Jesus. Confess your self-righteousness and your pride and your anger and your resentment and your bitterness. Confess your lack of love. And guys, I guarantee you, God will receive you just as joyfully as he received the son in the story. And then we can celebrate. So the question, guys, is like, how can you respond to the love of God tonight? I'm going to pray and have the band come up here, and I'd encourage you guys, before you stand up and celebrate and walk into this party like these kids, that you do the work and you get before Jesus and just say, here's my stuff. You don't need to hide it, guys. Bring it to the light. Grab somebody that you're here with. Tell them about it. Ask them to pray, and then stand up, pump your fists, and know that Jesus loves you. His love is unexpected and it's relentless and it's crazy, but this is why we gather. This is why Salt Company exists because this is emphatically true and it's the best news of all. And it's the only reason that any of us can sing tonight. So I'm gonna pray, you go get with Jesus. God, thank you for the Bible, your word to us, Jesus, thank you for this story that just fixes our misconceptions of, of your love. God, it's, it's so tempting for me even just to want to hide because of the sin in my life, because of the mistakes in my life, and it's because I don't really believe the gospel in its fullest. I know I can come to you, and I thank you for this reminder that I can, and that you'll run after me, you'll wrap your arms around me, you'll bring me into the party, you'll give me a reason to celebrate. And so, God, I pray for those of us who are Christians here, and, and we have this, this stuff in our life that, that we need to bring to you. Guys, God, would you just empower us by your Spirit to lay it at your feet tonight, and that we can truly sing because of the gospel. And for those here tonight that aren't following you, that they've been examining the love of God but haven't experienced it, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt them to take a step and just say, Jesus, take it all. I give you my life, take my sin, and then they can stand up and sing. And so as this place erupts with joy because of your gospel, God, would you just help us to experience this great joy of being your kid? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.